What's up? It's Ryan Leslie. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host for Work Radio's Art of the Hustle. Very excited right now for you to hear this second episode with my friend Foursquare co-founder and expo partner, Naveen Selvagirai. In this episode, Naveen shares his journey into entrepreneurship, tips on work-life balance, and why he thinks technology companies are like people. Without further ado, let's get into it. And we're in the heart of Manhattan where all the hustlers hustle. I'm in here with my homeboy, Naveen Salvadorai. Did I pronounce that right? That is correct. And Thank for you. those that don't know, Expo Today, previously Foursquare. Tell us a little bit about Foursquare Expo. Well, actually, you know what? Why don't you give you, we'll, get, we'll allow you to give your own introduction. Which, give, give us a little, little quick 30-second introduction. Sounds good. Well, here's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I helped start a company called Foursquare um, about six years ago now, seven years ago. Uh, which is in the local place recommendations and discovery space. And since then, I've been actually working on a new lab for new ideas called Expa with one of my uh, friends, Garrett Camp, who started a company called Uber. And together for the last two and a half years, what we've been trying to do is just try to figure out what's next. Like, what are the cool ideas out there? How can we kind of get out there and challenge ourselves, put new ideas in the world, hopefully get people using them, right? um, and just have fun with it. And so that's uh, that's what I'm up to. I got a chance to check out the offices. Are you you guys still in the same offices? I yeah, we're out? still we're still downtown. We're still in Soho. Uh, lucky to find such a great space. Super. Uh, and all of our small ideas and small teams that we build, and anyone that knew that we hire starts out of that space mm. before they move to other other, other right. locations around the city. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So yeah, so so for purposes of art of the hustle, man, we like to really kind of dig in and, and, and get to some nuggets, if you will, of. Of information, tidbits of information that maybe listeners may have not known about you. And maybe some people are listening to this and getting introduced to you for the first time. So you are an actual, uh, a a family that immigrated to the United States from India. So you were born in India and... Uh, I feel like I know. I, I feel like I know too much no, already. Too much. Let, me, let me finish it. Yeah, so yeah. I, was, I was born in India and... Uh, 25 years ago, this April, 1991, April, uh, my family, my parents, my sister and I, we all moved here to the U.S. Uh, I was born in Southeast India in a big city in the Southeast called Madras, Chennai. Uh, it has two names for complicated reasons. Mm. Uh, and uh, and yeah, and we'd be, we actually moved to Connecticut, of all places, because we knew uh, some family there and uh, kind of uprooted everything and started over. Wow. Did you feel like you took certain um, traits or facets of you growing up that, that, that built that or ignited that, that spirit of entrepreneurship in yourself? Did you get that from your father, from your uncle, from I, I, coming to the States? Definitely. Yeah. I, would say, uh, I would say I definitely got a good balance from my mom and my, my dad. I think most of it, I think, actually came from my dad. Less so the, the eventual entrepreneurship and wanted to kind of go out on my own, try stuff out. Um, but my dad was, uh, he's kind of like a jack-of-all-trades engineer. Like, okay. The man can just take anything apart and put it back together. Wow. Uh, and so he, he went to school to study mechanical engineering and then started working on chips. I've known him to fix cars up. I've known him to like, you know, really get into fixing computers and programming and doing all this stuff. Wow. And so I think that's really where it comes from. Like this passion to tinker, take it apart, ask why things are the way they are maybe, uh, put it back together. Mm-hmm. fix things around the house make it better yeah make it better and right. I think that's just watching him okay. is probably where that came from where did you go to college so I, I kind of uh, I guess after I moved to the US was when I really got into the internet and 
slowly started learning and like I remember getting all these free CDs from like Prodigy and CompuServe and AOL yes. and all this stuff, right? I remember so you're those. Like, Man, 25 hours of free internet. Let me get on that. I want to yeah. see what that's about. Yeah. And slowly I used that to get into things like BBSs and start hacking away and like trying to reverse engineer like how does What's this- a BBS? BBS is a bulletin board system. It's basically right. like it's, it's, imagine like smaller communities. There'd be guys basically running these things called BBSs which were kind of like early small networks that mm-hmm. came together. So you'd be able to talk to people in surrounding towns and stuff all through your phone line. Right. Uh, so you'd dial in. Right. Hijack the phone from mom. Yes. And just kind of like chat with these guys and uh, and play <laughs> games and do all this stuff. I remember yeah. doing that. And then I remember just like, man, who, how do you make these things? This is really cool. And start reading about Silicon Valley and start reading about Microsoft and all these other players. Like, that's cool. I want to start programming and start getting into it. So I started doing that. And then when it came time to just like pick a major and start going to school and start going to college, I just thought, I'm already sort of good at this stuff, science and math and all this stuff. Programming computers seems kind of where things are. Right. You know, it's that, it's that idea. I didn't know it at the time, like, because I wasn't thinking that far ahead. Like, you can make your own stuff right. when you program. That's, right. that's kind of unique. How many yes. things can you say that about? Yeah. You can say that about music. You can say that about uh, painting and all the other arts. And in a, in a way, there is something to this. Uh, one one man, one one woman can just go out and do it on your own right. and get it into the world. Uh, and so that's what I went to school for. I went to school uh, in central Massachusetts at a school called Worcester Polytechnic, mm-hmm. uh, through and through, full-on technical school. Worcester, Mass. Engineering, Worcester, yeah. Massachusetts, in the yeah. middle of nowhere. Uh, I went from really bad snowstorms in Connecticut to even worse snowstorms in Worcester. In, in Worcester. Um, and just had a lot of fun with it. But at the time, I was just focused on just school and like learning as much as I could. Uh, working on the side while I was in school. Um, working on the side, programming so, jobs, and Programming jobs, jobs on the yeah. side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was lucky to actually, my first two years in, in, in college, I actually worked at a, uh, through a friend who gave us a great connection. Uh, I worked for a company that he had started, which was acquired by Lucent, Lucent Technologies. Mm-hmm. So for the first two years, I worked at Lucent, which is a famous tech company. The last two years, I somehow interviewed somewhere in uh, near Boston and I worked at Sun Microsystems. Mm. Both Lucent and Sun no longer around, sadly, but like two right. like giants of the industry. It is good yeah. that, you know, it seemed like you had a pretty focused career trajectory and yeah. then how did you end up at Sony Music? So, <laughs> I had many jobs while in college working my way through right. and the, you know, I was, uh, I was working in the computer lab just like trying to get my hands on. I remember the computer lab had a supercomputer and I was like, oh, that's really great. Maybe I can go learn more about that. And one of the things that I was doing was uh, my roommate at the time in, in my fourth year in college, sorry, in my third year in college, Sergio, was helping two guys uh, in New York. Mm-hmm. And there were two guys that he knew who had started companies in the past. Okay. And so Sergio is a kind of a unique guy because he's a super smart guy studying computer science, but he's actually a really great pianist. He's mm. been playing music since he was three. Mm. At the time, when, you know, when we were 20, 21 years old, he'd released like four albums or something like this. Really? Uh, amazing. Of and, him playing piano. Yeah, him playing Singing, piano. Singing, everything. Solo. He doesn't sing mostly. It's mostly him, jazz piano. Okay. Sometimes with other people. I think, you know, he's played with Tony Bennett and... Really? Marsalis and all the, all the okay. other uh, superstars uh, around his time. And then he, uh, he helped these two guys out that had started a couple of record labels in the past. Uh, GRP Records, they had helped start uh, N2K Music mm-hmm. in the late 90s. I think N2K had IPO'd at the time. And so these guys, these two guys in New York, Tim and JJ, had this really great thesis around that time. This is 2000, 2001. And the concept was, hey, everything's, we're carrying your phones in our pockets. No doubt the future is going to be about phones. Nobody's bringing music to the phone. 
Right. Let's do that. Let's okay. go build the first music store on the phone. Let's go do ringtones. Maybe the ringtones in the future will become full tracks. Right. Maybe we'll do artist images. Maybe we'll do all this stuff. And so Sergio, being the engineer mind of the of the three of them, decided to go help them, decided to go join them full time. They asked for my help quite a bit. I was kind of remotely consulting, not mm-hmm. really sure whether they want to join full time. New York seemed like a big place. And eventually they got acquired by Sony Music. There's okay. a company called Runtones. Okay. Media. And when they got acquired by Sony, that's when they had the money to really go build this thing out. And so that was a perfect time to come join, help them right. out. What do you think was the difference between them winning versus Apple winning the music marketplace play too early? So at the time in 01, 02 in New York was a really tough time in New York, right? Nobody can raise money. It was just people out of work. It was just really tough in New York. And so they couldn't raise money. They couldn't one at a time go make deals or they tried to, but it's really hard business development when you don't have like enough weight behind you to go after AT&T and Singular and Verizon. And right. like, think about how many carriers you have to go after. And that's only in the US, Sprint. Right. And lastly, they didn't have the content. Right. Because music is so complicated. You need to go cut deals with everybody yes. and get all this stuff. So and even so, with the Sony partnership, it's No, still I'm was, saying this is before Sony. Oh, before so Sony. when Sony acquired them, because they clearly saw like, these guys are going to figure it out. Sony obviously brought the money. Right. And they have like a quarter of the content. Right. And they can use the muscle to go get the other content in, in the in the world and so that knocked up two of the pegs you know all was left to do was just build something really great right. and get it out of all these carriers so that's what they did so i joined at the perfect time i think what apple and everybody else got le- right later is the fact that they just took more of the notches off one back then before apple and iphone really came around which was 2001 and i left sony in 2001 by the way right like literally four months before uh iphone came out when that iphone came out everybody thinks like ah oh, it's beautiful it's a piece of glass all this stuff but it's revolutionary for all the things that it kind of took off your plate. Because as a developer, you only had to build it once on iPhone. Right. You didn't have to go do carrier deals. Right. Um, if you built the music app, sure, go do deals with labels. Uh, things got a lot easier around that time. And I think that's the biggest thing that they brought to the table. Right. I mean, think about it now. Two guys, two women in a garage, whatever you want to call it, garage, club, you know, mm-hmm. we work. You can just go build something. Right. You don't have to ask anyone for permission. Right. And back then... I'd write the app. Sergio and I would have to go test it. We'd have to go talk to Verizon and be like, do you guys want to put it in the app store? We'd have to go talk to Sony, get the music. We'd have to publish it. We got to go figure out how to write all that stuff all by ourselves. That right. was a lot. That was a lot. Was a lot. Yeah. And so did you feel like it was more of a team situation where you needed you needed a much larger staff and a much larger war chest to actually... Yeah. The reason I asked this is yeah. because coming from music myself, sure. of course Sony would have wanted to be the main music marketplace and then brought in Universal and Warner, et cetera, right? Yeah. And so that's the real that's that's the and and obviously I didn't even know that they were forward thinking enough to make that kind of bet yeah. on uh run media, right? That's yeah. what it was called, right? Yeah. And so this is this is this is this is super interesting to me. Super great stuff. Right. They were really forward thinking about all this stuff. You know, people kick Sony around a little bit now. And this is, maybe we'll come back to, maybe now is the time to talk about it. Like we talked about Lucent and Sun and like companies die. In a way, companies are like humans, right? In the early days, it's just really hard. They're baby. You got to be watching them every single moment. You have to be at the office all the time. Then when they're a teenager, you're not really sure what's going to happen. You're just like, it yelled at me. I have no idea. It's putting me under a lot of stress. I can't right. sleep at night. Right. What's going on? In the mature days, things seem to be working. You're like, right. you're making new friends. People want to come work with you. Right. You know, everybody wants to hang out with you, marry you. And then later in your old days, you're really mature. Now you're like giving other people advice and doing all the stuff. Exactly humans. And then someday, 
It might take a thousand years for the company to die. Things die. Right. So we kick Sony around a lot, but if we kind of like think back to our history, not to keep bring up Steve Jobs, but like Steve Jobs actually looked up to Sony. Right. They say like, you know, he looked up a lot of Japanese culture, right? And Sony was the one of the things that he was trying to go after. And so even in the early 2000s, before iPhone and iTunes really like started dominating, Sony had all the pieces of this puzzle. Yeah. They had, don't forget, with their deal with Sony Ericsson and all the stuff, they had the phones, they had the hardware, right. they had PlayStation. Right. They had a quarter of the content. Right. They had, I mean, uh, Columbia and all the like the, yeah, for the labels. Sure. They had they had a presence in Hollywood. They had right. it all. Right. But sometimes when you have it all, it's like you got to get all the silos talking. Yeah. You got to get everybody on the same page. Right. Maybe that's that's what's so hard. They were you, so big almost. And you think Apple like, was able to do that clearly? And they were able right. to do that because Apple doesn't own any content. Right. Right. Imagine being in a meeting, and being like, "Hey, I want to put this out there. No DRM. Yeah. Let them download it. High res file. Great. But then the content guys are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. you know, publishers going to come after us? Yeah. Or like, I don't know about that. What happens when blah 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 happens? Yeah. But Apple doesn't have to worry about that. They're like, great. Right. People want the high-res right, right. audio file. Right. People want a great device. Right. You guys figure it out. Yeah, you guys fix that. Yeah, that's right. So sure. sometimes like... Taking think, more off the plate. That's right. Being With super focused. Being super focused, yeah. Right. Having fewer things to worry about, I think, actually ended up in their favor. So you left You left right around that time when Apple started to dominate. Why was that? Did you feel like, hey, this there was no future here? This wasn't, this uh, wasn't so, going to take it all the way? Yeah, no. I think in 2006, you could tell, like, because we were, we, were, we were pretty dominant. You know, our, our team was making tons of money. Our uh, our product was so good on Verizon. It was called Sony Music Box. Mm. It was so good on Verizon. It made so much money. Number one downloaded music app that Verizon copied it. And they put their app in the number one spot. <laughs> so we just had a lot of fun with it. But right. towards the end of 2006, you know, start of 2007, I was just thinking like, you know, I was still very young. I just turned 24. I moved to the city when I was 21. So I just turned 24. I'm thinking, you know, these guys did it. They started their own company. And maybe now is my chance to just like go get out there and see what else I can join or, or what else I can put out in the world. Right. Now is the time to take risks. Right. Being 24. You know, at the time, I, I would look around, I'd see companies in New York like Delicious coming up. Delicious was built by one man. Yes. And I'm thinking like, ah, that's really great. Right. He just stumbled into a pretty good idea. Uh, he worked his face off, built right. something that people really wanted. I want to be a part of something like that. Right. And then that was around the time things like Flickr was coming around. For sure. And becoming big. So I think, to me, it was less about, like, Apple's coming in or Sony losing anything because it was still pretty dominant, right? Uh, but more just, like, what do I want? I want right. to go, go do something, take risks. Right. I'm probably going to fail, but let me just go after it. Right. Um, so that's what I did in 07. And in 07, I actually ended up in a shared co-working environment. Like we work. Almost like we work. Okay. That's right. That's why I want to bring it back there. <laughs> When co-working was just, I don't even think we we're calling it that back then in, in 07. And it was on 12th and Broadway, uh, sitting with a whole bunch of other teams that also working in the mobile space. And uh, I joined up with these two other guys uh, that were working on a startup called Socialite. And Socialite back then, again, this is before iPhone, right? So things are still very hard before you could even program for iPhone or even App Store was around. And what we were trying to do is saying, hey, listen, uh, what I did before was just bring music to phones. But if the phone is always in your pocket, shouldn't it just like buzz in your pocket and be like, that museum you've been wanting to check out is around the corner. So that, that was basically it. Very simple right. idea. The phone can entertain us. Can't it tell us where we, sh- where we should be going? Sure. And so with the guys at Socialite, we spent two years just trying to figure that out, built a whole bunch of things, 
Self-funded? Was this self-funded? You guys raised some money for uh, One of the guys pretty much mostly funded it. Wow. Yeah, mostly self-funded it. And I didn't t- I didn't have insurance for about two and a half years. It was a whole mess. Right. I'm looking back on that time like, thank God I never got sick. <laughs> right. Um, I, I dipped into my savings. Yeah, all of yeah. it self-funded. We didn't have any VCs. We didn't have any angels at the time. Uh, friends and family, I guess, helped us through that. Uh, I taught class at Cooper Union okay. to make a little bit of money. Yes. Uh, I consulted a little bit, make a little bit of money. Yeah. But basically, I just put everything into it, all my savings, everything. Because uh, I really knew there was something there. First people to figure that out, maybe end up somewhere good. If we don't figure it out, I mean, we got a lot of friends. We could go get a job. Yeah. Not a big deal. And I think that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh, it took a long time, though. Around the same time, I met with uh, Dan and Michael on, to work on Socialite. Uh, I met up with another guy called Dennis, who had also been wanting to work in that space as well. Uh, and we both ended up in the same co-working space, right? okay. that space on 12th Street. And we started talking about other ideas. And about a year and a half into it, we had, uh, you know, iPhone iPhone had been out for a long time. Yes. People could now program for it. The yes. app store was, was this out. Yeah. So we're thinking, let's just, let's just reset. What do we want to do here? Like, let's just put some of the ideas that we've been working on independently together and see where that goes. We spent about six months doing that. And the kind of, pieces of that turned into Foursquare. Okay. And so we put that out in the world in 2009. Right. And even then, I remember just like programming into the last minute and we decided to launch it at South by Southwest and and you know, literally was just like coding away until 4 a.m. on Friday morning, took the flight at 6 a.m., right. landed at South by Southwest, what, three, three hours later, three and a half hours later. We still don't know what's going to happen. And then I still remember one of the happiest moments ever is like maybe 12 hours after that, at the end of a long day, right? Friday night in Austin, like right. 11 p.m., going to a bar. Man, people, people, people like this. This is right. cool. They're people are talking it. about it. Right. Happiest moment. That's right. great. Absolutely. Really, that's what we want. Absolutely. At the, at the long end of a creation process. So that's, that's basically uh, how that got going. Right. People liked it. They wanted it. Uh, one of the, my favorite quotes online is like, make something people want. Right. You know, no, no truer thing has ever been said, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't poke holes in that statement. And I think we did. We hit it. We hit the nail on the head there. Great. And uh, just built that for about four years. Holy moly. That's just such a, it's so inspirational to really think about that, especially for folks that are in here right now actually cranking away on on a project or a product that they really believe in yeah. because either for them it's something that they feel is missing uh, that, that fills a, a void for them. Yep. And, uh, you know, they're betting on the ability for other human beings to relate to their pain point and, uh, and adopt whatever they put together. So I think that's, uh, that's super inspirational, man. It's great to hear you talk about it. And now let's hear from our brand partner. Hey guys, I'm Ben Hindman. I'm uh, the CEO and co-founder of Splash. Uh, Splash is a software for in-person marketing, uh, event marketing. Uh, You might have RSVP to a Splash That event. Uh, That is us. Uh, We power the events for some of the largest brands in the world. I'm really proud of it. It's been growing fast. Uh, I have to say that one of the biggest tools that I have, one of the best tools I have, uh, is my Dell Latitude. What's cool about the Latitude is I actually charge it once a day and it lasts the entire day. And then I run around and do all of my sales pitches and and try to seem smart. So, you know, I'll tell you, if if you're thinking about growing your team, you're thinking about growing your sales and presentations are a big deal to you, I would definitely check out the Dell Latitude. Uh, It's pretty darn awesome. Oh, and check out Splash, because that's also pretty darn awesome. Now back to the art of the hustle. Now, as you've sort of matured, in your uh, professional life, 
how have you been able to maintain a balance in a in a uh, from a from a personal standpoint? So there's a lot of traveling that's happening, fundraising, evaluating entrepreneurs, companies that you're investing in, incubating companies in Expa to build their businesses. How do you actually find the time? Where do you actually prioritize? Where do you draw the line and say, look, I need to make time for this personal relationship, this personal event, this yeah. wedding, whatever it is. Yeah. How, how do you how do you do it? I think maybe I can I can split into three phases. Like the phase before Foursquare was just like let's uh, let's just go work on stuff. So that's that's all I ever did. I don't even think I traveled for those two years. Never okay. even left town really. Okay. Um, obviously you don't have money to spend. You're not going to go anywhere. And so all I did was that. I think the Foursquare thing was kind of unique. I think most people, even if you're working uh, at building companies, aren't going to go through that experience. I knew it was, a super, we all knew it was a super lucky, super kind of like intersection of so many things coming together. <laughs> yeah, moment. for sure. So in that moment, like you just let the thing, you just ride it. But coming out of that, I remember thinking like, we got to get more balance in life. We got to exercise, A. Yeah. Uh, we can't just like, we got to have a more regular schedule. We got to do all this stuff. So I started to really think about like, how do we work better? Because it's a marathon. You're not just going to burn yourself out in two years. Right. You want to kind of sustain yourself. This could be 10 years. This could be 10 right. years. Right. Really, that's where we started thinking, and that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. Right? We all want to do that. We all want to have this great career and leave really great things behind. But when you're in it, you don't really know that. So I think coming out of it, I started to, your, to, to answer your question, really started thinking about like um, really personal well-being, right? Right. Eating a more balanced, like living and eating more in a yeah. balanced way, getting exercise on a, on a semi-regular basis, not right. just like once a year. And I think some part of that too was it ever is, really just once a year? Uh, like yeah. that's, is that an exaggeration? Or is, no, no, it's not once a year. That'd be pretty crazy. I think number two is just well, what's what you, your, wait. Hold on. What's, yeah, what's yeah. your routine now? Would you say uh, versus versus back then? So the question I asked was, did it ever get to the point where you're only exercising once a year? And I'm talking about like, okay, people say, hey, you're in New York, you walk a lot, it's exercise, whoop de whoop, etc. But was it ever a point where you literally? There's a gym on every corner in New York. You're only really getting in there once a year. I actually, so yeah. So for whatever, however many years there, I did belong to a gym. And I, it was not like I was not working out only once a year. I would uh, uh, just set up like one or two races a year and I just run. Running. Okay. It's the easiest, simplest thing you can do. But it is true that I never like, for two and a half years, I didn't have health insurance. And then it is true, which is, by the way, I don't recommend to anybody. Don't do that. Dangerous. Um, and it is true that I never went to the doctor actually or to the dentist in like seven years. Okay. Just didn't. Obviously, not having insurance, you're not going to be able to do that. Right. And I just didn't take care of myself really well. Mm. Lucky nothing happened, but right. you, know, you never know where these things could go. For sure. Um, and now? And now, I've been trying to be more balanced because I feel like, what's the point in like just going out there in spurts? As you get older, you start to realize like things you eat matter. The way your brain works matters. You got to just think about balance in life. For sure. Points. You can party and do all that stuff. Just balance in life. Right. Um, so that's one set. I think set two is something you hinted at, which I didn't really pay much attention to. Is like communication, obviously important in any relationship. At work too, equally the same thing, right? Work, work is like a relationship. Yes. When you come out of something, it just feels like uh, uh, it has all the kind of aspects of a relationship. So communication is something that I kind of spend a lot more time thinking about now. Right. Uh, in fact, what I've done is uh, at working at Expo and so on, just like writing things down more, communicating and writing to the team or to my senior team, our partners in, in Expa, um, making sure that we do weekly check-ins on a regular basis. If we say we're meeting at four, we meet at four. Right. We don't screw up with that time. Right. Because screwing up with that time, you're disrespecting the other person's time. Right. right. 
like down to that level, um, checking in on a yearly basis. And then something new that I've really started doing now, I've never really done it, is really seeking external advice. Because sometimes you can't talk about really difficult things. Yes. Right? So about two and a half years ago, we brought on a... Uh, I, I personally started talking to a CEO coach. And about two years ago, I would say, I brought it on for the rest of the team. So the senior team, uh, whether that be other CEOs that we work with or other senior leaders in our organization, uh, end up once every two weeks or so talking to a CEO coach. Right. Getting things off their chest learning how to communicate things to their team, tough decisions or easy ones. Yes. Making sure to just like constantly self-improve. Yes. Uh, and I, I found that to be just really amazing. So w- what I wanted to kind of get into now is just, we, we've, we've, I mean, this has been a great talk already. Uh, what can the folks that are listening, what can, what can they take away? And so you moved on from Foursquare in 2012. What do you believe were your key learnings there? And, uh, the time that I mean, you went through the entire cycle from yep. starting, ha- yep. having the idea, pivoting yeah, the yep, whole yep. night. And uh, did did you did you did you have a? I mean, it's interesting because you you made it analogous to a relationship. What what was that like? What what was the takeaway in terms of what did you what did you take away from that relationship? And was it was it really like a breakup? Yeah, I guess I guess in some ways, sure. I think it's uh. Uh, anything that you work on for so long becomes like uh, part of you. Part of you, yeah. It's the it's like a love of your life, right? Or one of the many loves. And so, the the takeaways truly are just like, I think some of it, like when it hits, you got to go after it, right? You don't know when an idea is going to work out or not, but you just got to give it your all, just go after it. And I think in the other ways, it's a relationship, which I hinted at earlier, is just communication is important, and sure. like knowing both where you're both going is important. Uh, seeking help and talking to other people is important. Sure. Um, and like, almost like ever improving because the thing tomorrow, the thing that you're working on or the relationship you're doing is going to be different tomorrow than it is today. Right? Always. Change is always the only constant. Yeah. They would say. And so that's another thing that I, I think is another takeaway. And I think those are things, those are lessons that I've applied to now at Expo and now at the new products that I've been working on and really trying to bring that self-improving Yeah open environment yeah it's funny people work people have definitely come to me i i I run an internship program a lot of kids come to me and ask ask me about they ask me relationship advice yeah and nine to my ten it's about you know how can they you know get this girl that they're interested in to like really be into them and i always tell them i think and i think it echoes exactly what you just said where change is the only constant and so when you say like hey you know and i think the reason why my parents are actually still together, yeah. you know, which is same here, in, yeah. in many cases when I talk to folks is rare. Yeah. Um, but I think the reason why that is, is that it, and it's funny because it almost seems like a love song where it's, Hey, I fall in love with you every day. And the reason why is because people change every single day, some experience, some person that some taxi driver yelling at them or whatever, it changes them in some way. And you really have to, care enough about your relationship with that person to have that, like you said, that open communication so that you can always be, I would say, kind of sensitive and responsive and understanding and educated about who they are that day because every day they change, right? So it is is super interesting to hear you talk about it that way. But yeah, that's that's the advice I give my young guys when they... I guess, I guess in a lot of ways too, you know, we were talking about CEO coaches and stuff before. Some of the CEO coaches that are famous in the Valley were actually ex-coaches, ex-ball players and stuff, right? Mm. And there's something interesting about that. Even if you take a look at uh, books that 
CEOs and stuff recommend guys right. in power. Right. They're always like, oh, read this, you know, read this book about, you know, whatever the um these coaches giving their life advice. Right. And like running a running a team is exactly like that. Sure. You got a lot of really smart people. Sure. And so a lot of it is just raw talent in what you're doing. Yeah. But if the team's not talking, no. if the team's not showing up to no. practice at five AM every day, if the yeah. team's not on the same page, right. the team's not gonna be together. Right. Uh I think that's that's the reason there's a lot of overlap between like doing companies and running teams. Yeah. Yeah. You've said before that you want to leave the internet in a better place yeah. than how you found it. Yeah. Talk to me or talk to the listeners about what your what what is your true north, you know, if you will. What is the guiding principle if you have one? And can it can it be reduced to one guiding principle? Yeah, definitely. I think coming out of Foursquare in twenty twelve, I was just like, man, what do I work on next? What how, like why am I even here? What am I doing? Right? Uh, what do I want to work? What do I what am I interested by? And where is that alignment and stuff? And so I came out of that. I think uh, about a year and a half later, uh, in a uh, being able to explain that in a, in a great way because I read this book called The Everything Store. It's about Jeff Bezos. It's about the founding of Amazon and the story of Amazon. What's really great about that book is not necessarily the lessons that came out of it. There were one or two that were really good standouts. But rather, when you're reading that book, you start realizing like, wait a minute, when this guy in 1994 was doing this, what was I doing? Right. In 1996, when he made that deal, what was I doing? Right. In 99, when he disastrously like blew $100 million, what was I doing? Right. And so there's something interesting about that. And as I was reading that, I couldn't help but parallel my, like, where was I reading it? But also reading that, where was the web in that moment? In 91, everybody found out about it, or the early adopters did. 94, 95, everybody else did. And, you know, late 90s, like, dot com, literally the world found out. Right. And so there are, like, three kind of timelines there. And I thought that was interesting. And so coming out of reading that book, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I got into this because I got excited about being a part of that. So right. that's one set. I got into this because maybe I can leave a mark or something or leave something behind. That's number number two. And then I got into this for all the other reasons like learning stuff and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, same reasons anybody else does. So that kind of reset why. And so that's why I said, I think I wrote a blog post about two years ago where I said, you know, I want to start working on products at Expo and doing all this stuff because I want to leave the internet in a better place. What that means to me, I use the word internet to mean this movement that we got going on because the internet pretty much touches everything. Yeah. Nothing truly is the internet anymore. Everything right. that is connected is the internet. Right. Uh, to me, what that means is like, maybe that's a company that I work on that ends up changing something. Right. Maybe that's an idea that I put out there. Maybe right. some piece of writing that's just like a great essay that I put out. Maybe it's some open source stuff. Maybe I help somebody collab- with a collaboration. That's what it means to me. Right. Leave it in a better place because no matter, like, it shouldn't just be about like, what's in it for me or the money I made or blah, blah, blah. But rather like, oh man, that one idea that guy put in the world, that inspired somebody else to do something. Right. That's great. For sure. Yeah. Give for back. sure. For sure. So you mentioned uh, the Everything Store or the other 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 books. I know you touched on it before. You, you, you came with some notes, things, that you, some primers right. that people should be reading. Now I wish I had written a few more things down. <laughs> so uh, uh, actually, one of the things I'm working on right now is a site called Kit. Right. And Kit is this place where uh, it was an idea that um, I'd been thinking about for a little bit. I often get, I'm into cameras and stuff and I'm into cycling and I'm into a few other things. So I often get rec- like asked for recommendations. Like, what do I start with? You know, I want to move from my iPhone to taking photos. So I got tired of just answering this question. So Kit's a place where you actually just come find like, oh, what's in my camera setup and all that stuff. And so one of the things that inspired me was this site called Cool Tools, which was started by this guy called Kevin Kelly. 
is an amazing like author philosopher king of the internet almost right yeah. really really great guy yes and so cool tools is a place that he was inspired to create cool tools is basically a collection uh where basically people come and highlight really great products that you use for specific tasks in your life like here's the best you know camping gear and so on so that's where kit, kit was inspired by you take any topic or any activity and you come and tackle the things that you want to and you tell others about that kevin himself was inspired by this book this catalog that he guest edited in the 80s and that is a piece of uh, uh, history, Valley history, uh, and that's a magazine called the Whole Earth Catalog, okay. which was actually started in the late 60s. The first issue was in 1968. And the first couple of issues of the catalog are actually like a photo of the Earth from outer space. Because right. that's the first time in the history of you know, human evolution we'd actually seen right. where we live. And outside of it is all black. So right. he just got really excited about that. So he got that photo from NASA, he put it on this book cover. And so this magazine is basically a collection of people that are like helping one another through the right process and teaching one another about like, you know, how do you make your own music? How do you build your own instruments? How do you do all this stuff? What are the tools needed to go out and live by yourself and like be self-sustaining in this counterculture movement? That book is so great because it inspired Kevin Kelly, obviously, to do cool tools. Later, he went to start Wired Magazine. Right. It inspired Steve Jobs. When Steve Jobs in his commencement speech in 2011, I think, said, stay hungry, stay foolish. That's what he said to finish it. Everybody thinks it's his quote. No, but that was the last page of the last issue of the catalog. Right. He was inspired by it. He actually called the catalog the Google of its time. Right. So in so many ways, I would put that on the list. Just go just go take find, a look at that because it's inspired one. so many people in the Valley. And recently, I've been just really excited about that. Like, where do these great, crazy ideas come from? Right. So it's three last questions that everybody likes to know about the folks that I interview. Sure. Right. So number one is, number one is, Warren Buffett has this, nuances idiosyncrasy only takes one meeting a day do you have a nuance or idiosyncrasy that's you know just kind of a practice for you like Alon when I talk to him he says I always try to be intentional before I open one of my devices so before I go to my phone or before I go to my computer I want to be intentional about it so that I don't just get distracted by whatever pops up first which is great I actually started I listened to that I was like okay let me try that it's interesting right so do you have a do you have a nuance or an idiosyncrasy that's part of your daily process? Uh, only working certain hours. Only working, these are all great ones. Should yeah. we some of these? Yeah. You know, something I've been doing the last few months is actually, uh, I, for, for a while now, just turned off all notifications on my phone. Yes. So it never wakes up except if mom calls. Okay. Or my girlfriend calls. Okay. Uh, no notifications means, like, I'm in control. Like, let me tell you when I need, yes. when I need to know something. Don't tell me. Yes. Uh, and I think uh, the other thing I've been actually doing that too. it's so great yeah, it just it feels so good and yeah. the other thing is just uh, just removing all social media and stuff off the device mm. uh, LeBron does that too right so every once in a while he calls it zero dark 30 or something we just turns it all off and so let me tell you that's just been great because again like when I'm ready to consume I'll consume don't right. worry about it internet. Right. don't right. tell me when to like right. shove it in my face right and so I think that's actually really expanded and opened my mind right um, and it slows you down okay it's great Second question, uh, you, you, you talk about hiking, you talked about cycling, et cetera. Would you say, which one of the two, or would you say basketball, golf, et cetera, what is the actual sport that you like the most? What, what would you say currently? Tennis? Man, I love all that stuff. I love watching tennis more than anything else. I, I used to watch all these different sports. I don't really follow professional sports anymore. Just so much to keep up with. 
Okay, so if you uh, could but, ride a but, bike with anyone in the world, who would I was going to say, running is the thing that running. Do, so that's you, the thing you can do anytime. If you, if you could, yeah. if you could, if you could do a quick. Okay, with anyone, run. I would go for a run with Obama. That's an easy one. Yeah, I was just hanging with him. Well, now I can't say I was hanging with him, but I was. I was at South by South Lawn yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was, you know, twenty, uh, maybe not even. If, Five feet away from the president, right? I took a yeah. little like Instagram yeah. story, and, like my mom and dad. Were like, Why were you so at the White House? <laughs> so I, I happen to, happen to Obama, stay in a hotel right? in San Francisco once for work that he just happened to be staying in. Just Secret Service all over the place, right? Like two blocks away from the hotel, they would stop me, right? And so the whole time I was like on my way to the gym in the elevator. I'm gonna ride with him. Yes. I just know it. I just know it. Did it happen? It did not it happen. Did not I just happen. wanted to go on the treadmill. Yeah, you know, side by side. That <laughs> right. was great. Right. The guy's fit too. He's very fit. He's tall. He's super fit. Yeah. Yeah. Plays ball. Super charismatic, man. People love that guy. Yesterday it was literally insane to see because it was a small group of just like 2,000 people. I guess 20,000 people applied for this South by South lawn. And a small group, relatively, I mean, yeah. a 2,000 person party at your home yeah. is pretty big. But pretty big. still to just see people like running to get a glimpse, to get a picture, to get a video, Absolutely. to get a high five. We're good. We're all going to miss him. We're all going to miss him in that role anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I actually turned a citizen in uh, twenty, sorry, two thousand six. Right. The first time I ever got to vote in the wow. presidential election was two thousand eight. Wow, so it was like carry a special kind of weight. Yeah, for sure. And I was in my heart. I was performing actually at Howard University on the night uh, yeah. that he got elected, and I mean it's DC based college, so there were a bunch of folks that are now even working as interns at the White House, et cetera, that were like, "Yo, this is so crazy to see you here." Yeah. And be, you know, because they see Obama all the time, but to see you here at the White House, et cetera, because yeah. you were performing at Howard yeah. the night he got elected, and now yeah. we're interns at the White House. It was crazy yesterday. And the last, we, we like to end off with this. If you could trade jobs with anyone in the world, maybe we've just set this up, but if you could trade jobs with anyone in the world, who would it be? Well, this is, this is harder than I thought. Trade jobs with anyone. So you mean for a day, just like, just that's it, swap for a day, for a day. Let's for say day. for a day, yeah. For a day. Huh. Uh, you know, this is really hard. I don't know why. Let me throw out, I don't know, let me throw out like uh, Bill or Melinda Gates or something. Because okay. uh, I just want to see what the world looks like from their eyes, right? Sure. Because you're not, uh, first of all, everybody has to answer to somebody, right? Yeah. Obama has to answer to so many people, yeah. the, American, the American public, as well as people from all around the world. So everybody always has a boss. He strikes me as somebody that doesn't. So what do you right. do when you're in that position? And like, you're giving back to the world. Right. And you get to choose like, you get to read all day and you get to just like go and help people. That's powerful. It is. Nobody's ever, ever getting in your way. It is. Kind of it unique. is. And that has nothing to do with money. That has nothing to do with any of these things, right? That's just like his position in the world right now. That's powerful. That's cool. I think so too. To I think so too. I think so too. Tristan, Tristan actually said Obama. So people really like Obama, man. On this, on on this podcast. Hold uh, on. Why would you trade jobs though? It's so it's such a hard job. For yeah, him. yeah. It's such a hard job. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he's. I mean, it's interesting. Maybe he's foreshadowing. Maybe Tristan's going to run for president. Probably. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Maybe he's foreshadowing. He wants to see what it's like before he, you know, gets in the driver's seat. People who've been inspired by your story, people who've been listening, love what they heard, et cetera, want to reach out, want to talk more, have more questions. How can they get, how can they get to you? Uh, feel free to just at reply or DM me on Twitter. My DM is pretty open. Uh, my username is at Naveen, N-A-V-E-E-N. Great. That's the easiest, best way. Great. All right, that's it. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you come back and check out more Art of the Hustle stories. 
For more about Art of the Hustle, go to iHeartRadio.com/slash Art of the Hustle.